You are about to enter the world of humble hauntings. But first, a message from our friends at OctoberPod. I'm Edward October, and I'm here at the OctoberPod Ranch in the Great Smoky Mountains. Almost every night here, there's a ghost story party around the campfire. In my family, we believe that scary stories are best told around a roaring fire with a bottle of wine. That's why bold individualists everywhere choose OctoberPod for their retro horror thrills. Our stories are so good because they're told with such care. Understated. Moody. And, above all, chilling. Why don't you join us for retro horror of impeccable taste? Choose OctoberPod. Find us on YouTube or at OctoberPodVHS.com. OctoberPod. Retro horror for bold individualists. And now, for today's story. It's a demon, isn't it, Captain? It's a demon that's after you. I know, but you have to try. Demons are dangerous, but they can be defeated. We just need its name. Yes, a name gives you power over them, and I have something that can amplify that power. And now the demon's at the door. Barnaby, go fetch Mr. Merle. We need to speak with him immediately. Now, Captain, we don't have much time. I need you to remember. Fight past what's been blocking it. The demon you made a deal with might have sealed your memories from you, but they're still there. Close your eyes and search deeper than you ever have before. And remember, you have to remember. There once was a man, a captain, a master of the seas. The winds were his friends, and the ocean was his only love. But the captain and his crew wanted more. Seas undiscovered. Waters that had never been traveled by the likes of mortals. So they ventured to the end of the world, where there lay an island that time forgot. This island was older than any name, and had not been tainted by the modern world. It was covered in dense forests that seemed to draw the captain and his crew deeper and deeper into its depths, until the sun was lost among the canopy of trees. It was in the heart of this forest that the captain and his crew came upon a demon king, ancient and powerful, and his name was... Yes, that's it. His name was... Ms. McAdams, I came as quickly as I could. Barnaby insisted it was quite urgent. I'm afraid it is. No doubt you've heard the commotion outside. Well, it is hard to miss. The roaring is getting the spectral cats down the hall all riled up. I don't blame them. Mr. Merle, 
You still have the keys to the restricted room, I hope? They never leave my side, ma'am. Glad to hear it. I need you to fetch the red book on the second shelf. It's called A Date with the Demonic. Also, in the far right corner of the room, there is a silver box. That's where I keep the unbinding stone. Grab that for me, too, and come right back. Of course. I will be back before you know it. Thank you. And Mr. Merle? It might be faster if you take on your other form. Well, of course he can transform into a giant bird. Don't you know what Merle means? He's a giant magpie, to be specific, though. Now, if this monster is a demon, which I believe it is, the book Mr. Merle will bring us will have his story within it, and maybe even yours. So concentrate. Listen. Tear down the walls this demon has placed inside you. I need you to be stronger now than you've ever been before. This is it. Understand? The minute you hear me read something that sounds familiar, you let me know, okay? Good. Look, he's back. Here you are, Miss McAdams. Thank you, Mr. Merle. Stay close. Things could get ugly. Quite right, Barnaby. Let us begin. Demon, fallen angel, devil, fiend. They have many names, but no matter what you call them, the feelings of terror they inspire within us are all the same. These are perhaps the darkest and most sinister beings that have ever walked among us. The definition of a demon is straightforward enough. Demon, an evil spirit or devil, especially one thought to possess a person or act as a tormentor in hell. The word itself comes from the Greek word daemon, meaning supernatural being or spirit. But over time, it became synonymous with the most malevolent creatures known to man, with endless versions stretched across every religion and tucked away inside the folklore of numerous cultures. These creatures, no matter what form they take, are the most feared spirits in the world. Demons can be found in the darkest corners of the world, in the shadows walking by our side, in the whispers one hears in the dead of night, and in the deepest recesses of our minds. In the Christian Bible, demons were fallen angels cast out of heaven by God for rebelling against him. Lucifer, who led the rebellion, became Satan, and held his dominion with the angels who fell with him, becoming his minions. But the idea of demons predates Christianity, and can be found in almost every religion and mythos known to man. Take, for instance, the story of Lamia. This tale comes from Greek mythology. Lamia was a demoness or daemon who devoured children. In fact, it is said that Athenian mothers used Lamia as a warning, threatening their misbehaving children into being cooperative by saying Lamia would come and eat them if they were naughty. Hers, like many in Greek myth, is a tragic tale, 
and, like many Greek myths, begins with the Olympian god Zeus's inability to keep his godly appendage in his pants. The story goes, according to the ancient commentaries on Aristophanes' piece, that Lamia was a queen of Libya who became one of Zeus's most beloved consorts. And of course, this passionate union resulted in children. Now, as Greek myths go, where there is Zeus sowing his seed around town, there is a royally and rightly pissed off Hera, wife to Zeus and queen of the Olympians. Now Hera, in her rage, robbed Lamia of these children fathered by Zeus. And as a result, Lamia scoured the earth, killing any child she could get her hands on. But when it comes to demons, we don't just imagine creatures who devour our bodies. We imagine monsters that consume our very soul, eating us from the inside out until we are merely a vessel to use for their desire for destruction. We see examples of this in popular horror literature and movies, like The Exorcist's Pazuzu. In The Exorcist, Pazuzu is the demon who possesses the 12-year-old girl Reagan McNeil, daughter to actress Chris McNeil. But Pazuzu is more than a character in a book. This demon is actually one from the ancient Mesopotamian religion. He was the son of the god Hanbi and king of the demons of the wind and bearer of storm and drought. He is represented as a figure with the body of a man, the head of a lion or a dog, two pairs of wings, large talons, and a pronounced, almost snake-like male genitalia. Though frightening in appearance, the true Pazuzu didn't go around possessing little girls. In fact, even though still a powerful demonic figure, he was used as a sort of shield or defense against the frightening Lamashtu, a demoness whose destructive powers put pregnant women and the mothers of newborns in danger of demonic attacks, as these were her favorite victims. People would often wear necklaces depicting Pazuzu to deter such attacks from Lamashtu and other demons who meant them harm. Demons represent many things to mankind. To some, they represent sin, while others are used as a sort of boogeyman to get children to listen to their parents. Some have been used as a source of protection. And that's not all. A familiar pattern seen throughout history is this. If there was no explanation for an ailment or odd occurrence, then it must be demons. Humans are hardwired to want to know everything about the world around them. As such, they feel uncomfortable when there's something that they cannot understand and can't rationalize. And as we see in folk tales around the world, when something cannot be rationalized, then the only answer is of a supernatural variety. We see this in tales like La Pisadira, a folktale from Brazil. Sleep paralysis is the temporary inability to move or speak upon waking. While this condition affects mostly those with narcolepsy or sleep apnea, it's something that can happen to anyone. And while the episode only lasts a few minutes, it doesn't make it any less terrifying. You see, during sleep paralysis, it is not unheard of to experience disturbing hallucinations and the feeling of being choked or suffocated. Many of these hallucinations include a dark being or demonic presence. Which leads us to the sleep paralysis demon, a term many of us are familiar with. 
A sleep paralysis demon is not an actual demon, of course, and is different for everyone. It is a hallucination of a shadowy figure or horrifying monster hovering over you, attacking you, sometimes even sitting on top of your chest and strangling you. And while it's not a real flesh and blood entity, in that moment it certainly feels like it is, which is what makes the experience so terrifying. Sleep paralysis is nothing new. It's an occurrence that has plagued humanity for thousands of years. And while we now have a better understanding of not only what causes it, but also how to manage the condition itself, way back in the day, it was assumed to be some malevolent spirit or demonic being causing it. Humans used the supernatural to make sense of the world around them and frightening conditions or ailments that they didn't understand because for humans, not understanding something was equally if not more frightening than the thing itself. For many, ignorance was not so blissful. So tales emerged from these unfortunate maladies or experiences. Stories of frightening monsters and deadly demons that, to everyday folks, seemed as real as the trees in the sky. As real as you and I. Like the story of La Pisadira. As I mentioned, this story comes to us all the way from Brazil. La Pisadira means she who steps and is described as an old crone, towering and slender with long yellow fingernails, who crawls across rooftops and watches families eat their meals. When they are finished, if anyone goes to lie down on a full stomach, she will enter their room and trample across their stomach and chest. And there she will sit, staring down at her victim as fear fills their eyes. Trapped between the land of dream and the waking world, they can only look up in terror at La Pisadira, her large nose protruding through her long and matted hair, a mouth of sharp and rotting teeth visible as she laughs at her victim's frightened state. It is said that she feeds off this fear, and the more scared the victim, the stronger she'll become. One might avoid this fate, however. If you must go to sleep on a full stomach, sleep on your side and never on your back. Avoid entering your slumber belly up and you just might be spared a visit from La Pisadira. Hello, MJ McAdams here. Today's tales will continue after a brief message from our sponsors. So stick around. More haunts are waiting for you just around the corner. Some demons devour us, destroy us, and take over us. But some demons we learn to make peace with, as in the story of the demon in the tree. The demon in the tree is a Jewish folktale that begins with a rabbi's son. It is said that long ago, a rabbi's son was playing hide-and-seek with his friend. He searched and searched for his friend until he came to a large tree. All at once, a finger emerged from the hollow of this tree. Thinking it to be his friend, he played a joke on him. 
slipping his ring onto the finger and reciting the traditional wedding vows. To his surprise and horror, it was not his friend, but a strange woman who stepped out of the tree, a demoness. She had long black hair and an evil grin. All at once, she vanished back into the tree, and the rabbi's son was so frightened, he ran back home and never spoke of the encounter to anyone. Years later, when he was a grown man, the rabbi's son was married. On their wedding night, the newlyweds went to their new home. The bride lingered outside to admire the home. And then, the demoness appeared. She pulled back a tree branch near the new bride and struck her in the head, killing her. After the traditional year of mourning, the rabbi's son remarried. Only the same thing happened. Once again, they made their way home on their wedding night. And once again, the demoness killed the bride with a branch before she could even cross the threshold of her new home. The rabbi's son, not knowing the demoness was involved, assumed he was cursed. Wealthy families refused to marry their daughter to him. And what was worse, since no one knew how the brides were killed, the rabbi's son was the only suspect. He did remarry a third time, but this time it was to a poor man's daughter, who was unable to give a dowry, which was the custom of the time. She was a hard-working woman, modest and wise. So on the wedding night, when she lingered back to take in the beautiful home she would live in, she spotted the demoness pulling the branch back and ducked just in time. The branch missed and the demoness, startled at being caught, took off all at once into the safety of the trees. The bride followed her until she watched the demoness slip inside the hollow of a tree. The same tree the rabbi's son had played near many years ago. The bride went home and told the rabbi's son what she had witnessed. He, of course, was mortified. He recounted the tale of the demoness and the ring, and the bride listened intently. Afterwards, he wondered out loud why the demoness harmed his brides but not himself. Well, she considers herself your true wife, said the bride. Did you not recite the vows and place a ring on her finger? At this realization, the rabbi's son grew pale with fear. The newly married couple stayed up all night, planning what they would do about the demoness. The rabbi's son became angry the more they spoke. It was only a joke, he told his bride. I will take my revenge and burn down her tree. But the bride shook her head. If you take away her home, she could very well return the favor and take yours. The rabbi's son shook his head, realizing, of course, she was right. Let me try to speak with her, the bride insisted. Demons are said to love jam and sweet things. Let me bring her a plate of jam and pastries as a peace offering. And because the rabbi's son could think of no other plan, he reluctantly agreed. The next day, the bride took a plate of pastries and jam to the hollow of the tree, where she had seen the demoness vanish the night before. 
then left the plate at the trunk of the tree and stayed away all day. The next day, she returned to find the jam and the pastries gone and a gold coin in its place. She ran home to tell her husband the good news. The demoness, at least for now, had been appeased by their offering. Each day, the bride went to the tree with an offering of jam, pastries, and other sweets, and each time she returned, a gold coin was left in its place. The couple were thankful for the gold, but still feared the wrath of the demoness. One day, when the bride became pregnant, she went to speak with the demoness. She knew the tales of Lilith, a demoness who liked to kill children and newborns. She knew this demoness was no doubt a daughter of Lilith and wanted to ensure the safety of her unborn child. So she went to the hollow of the tree and asked the demoness to show herself. What do you want? The demoness hissed. I want us to come to an understanding, said the bride. I know about the ring my husband gave you and know that you consider yourself his true wife. Yes, the demoness hissed. This is correct. Well, I am willing to share him with you as long as you agree not to hurt any of us or our family, including any children I may bear. If you agree, then he will be yours an hour every day after sunset. Promise not to harm our children, and I swear to you that I will send him willingly to you each day for an hour. At these words, the demoness appeared from the hollow of the tree, looking exactly as she did when the rabbi's son was still a boy. She looked into the bride's eyes and nodded before sinking back into the trunk of the tree. For seven years, the rabbi's son went to the demoness for one hour after sunset, and for seven years, the demoness made sure no harm came to the couple or their children. In fact, it seemed that the demoness watched over the family and protected them from evil. At the very end of the seven years, the rabbi's son came to the hollowed tree as he did each evening, only to find the ring he had unknowingly given to the demoness resting on the plate used for her offering of sweets. It was then that the rabbi's son knew the debt was paid and the demoness was done with him for good. Demons. They fuel our nightmares and haunt us even in the waking world. Whether they hurt us or somehow shield us from others that would wish to do us harm, there is no escaping their stories. They represent existence at its most vile and evil that waits for us in our moments of weakness. The universe is a balancing act. Where there is good, there will always be evil. So we must stay ever vigilant. Yes, evil exists in this world, but it can be defeated. Demons are powerful beings, but not invulnerable or invincible, as long as we feed the light within ourselves. The demons will never win. Here it is, Captain. I found your story. 
There once was a man who never grew old, a captain who sold his name to a demon for immortality and power. The power not only to travel the oceans of the here and now, but around the world and throughout time itself. The demon king took the names of others so that he could never be defeated or controlled. For to know a demon's name is to have power over them. When mortals made pacts with him, he made them forget their names, just as he did to the captain. In return, the captain would do the demon's bidding each full moon. The curse of the werewolf was placed upon him, and with each full moon, the captain was forced to claim the lives of the innocent, to spill blood upon the earth, all in the name of the demon king. But. What the captain did not know was that the demon king was slowly taking away his memories, devouring him until only the beast remained—a mindless monster at his own disposal. Now, this king had a daughter, a beautiful demoness who could take the shape of a fox. She would stay with the captain during his transformations to comfort him, and together they would roam the world by night. Soon. They fell in love. When the demoness realized what her father was doing to her lover, she confronted him to break the awful spell that would strip the captain of his humanity. When her father refused, the demoness used every ounce of her power to halt her father's magic. She could not lift the curse of the werewolf, or give the captain back the memories he lost. But she could stop him from losing any more of himself. But in doing so, she gave up not only her immortality, but her life, all in order to save her lover from a terrible fate. When the demon king learned of what she had done, he destroyed the captain's crew in an act of brutal vengeance. The captain sought his own revenge against the demon king, but to no avail. The demon only ripped away his remaining memories. The captain only knew one thing: he had to flee, and thanks to his powers, he had the means to. So the chase began. Through space and time, the demon king chased the captain until both arrived at the center of all things—the great and powerful house of Arcane. But nothing would stop the demon king from finding and destroying the captain. Nothing. Except the name the captain had so willingly given him, in exchange for his powers. With this name, the demon king could be defeated at last. So, the demon's name is your name, then, Captain. Yes, yes, it's good. It's it's great, even. Yes, of course it's good. Look, curses are one thing. Arcane wouldn't be able to take the curse of the werewolf from you, but it heals all those who cross its threshold if they stay long enough. You've been here quite some time now. Whatever memories the Demon King took from you are being healed. Arcane has been healing your mind this whole time. Yes, that's why your memories have been returning slowly. Even if he took your name from you, it's still there. He's inside now. The demon 
is inside of our cane. Take this. It's the unbinding stone. You say the name he took from you while holding it, and his hold on you will be broken, and he will be at your mercy. Look, just over there. Do you recognize him? Human, I have no business with you, shadow creature. Everything in Arcane is my business, I'm afraid. If you do not leave, then we will make you leave. <laughs> you have no power over me, not even in your domain. You're right. I don't, but they do. You know the name, your name. It's still there inside you. Reach deep within yourself and take it. This is your only chance. Reach deep, deep down inside yourself. Feel arcane mending your mind. Let it help you. Remember. 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 Cal. Your name was Cal. Yes, hold the stone and speak the name. Look into the demon's eyes. The stone will free you and hold power over him instead. Do it now. No. <sighs> you did it, Cal. He's yours. What do we do with him? That's entirely up to you, but I suggest we put him somewhere where he can never hurt another living soul again. Oh, there's so many places to choose from, but I think I have the perfect one in mind. Have him follow you this way. All right, tell him to come inside here, but do not look at what's beyond the store. Where did I send him? <laughs> Nowhere nice, that's for sure. He won't be able to hurt anyone anymore. But some places here are just too frightening for the human mind to comprehend. It's kinder not to say. Come on, the others will be waiting. So... Is it gone then? Yes, it's safe. The Demon King is no more. Arcane is safe again. And it's all thanks to Cal. Cal, huh? So you do have a name, Captain. Yes, I suppose you aren't the Captain anymore. Will you retire from the sea now? I understand. Her name was Alana such a pretty name. But no. No amount of time travel could save her or your crew. I'm very sorry. Well, where will you go now? What will you do now? Well, Miss McAdams, we do need a new librarian down here. Cal seems to take to the library quite naturally, from my observations. Maybe he could stay on permanently. That is, if Barnaby doesn't mind the help. Well, Cal, what do you say? Then it's settled. Cal, the librarian, welcome home. This is the final regular episode of the Humble Hauntings podcast. But fear not. 
As promised, there will be a Barnaby bonus today on Halloween and on Christmas Day. We hope you can join us and celebrate the final Humble Hauntings episodes and listen in on some seriously spooky tales. And of course, thank you to our listeners and our guest narrators. You all are what make this show frighteningly fantastic. Stay spooky, and we'll see you soon.